Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Click Millionaire Success Show with your host, Scott Fox. It's time for another educational and entertaining episode that can help you work less and live more with your own internet lifestyle business. Lots of different languages around the world. And today we're here to talk about how to help you raise money for your startup. Uh, raising money is the, probably the biggest challenge that most entrepreneurs face. I've been there myself with the same idea. It's a challenge even in good times, and these are good times these days for early-stage entrepreneurs. Um, and, of course, it's even harder in bad times. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the strategies behind all that based on my years of experience and uh, the many, many entrepreneurs I've worked with from all over the world. So thanks for joining me today. We're going to spend a half an hour or an hour together based on questions submitted from the audience. We've got some folks who are going to come on live and talk about their uh, startup challenges, and we're going to try to work through those together on a live basis. Also, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn or any of those places, go ahead and type into the comments, and I should be able to see those as well um, and uh, hopefully respond to you or maybe even invite some of you on camera to join us. Um, The opportunity today is to get some uh, expert feedback from me um, and to uh, hopefully learn some things from each other as well, which is the whole ethic behind uh, the Masterminds approach that I've pioneered, uh, like I said, in my books and in the Masterminds Startup Founders Forum, which I've been running since 2009. So who am I? Why am I doing this? Well, I'm a serial internet entrepreneur, like I said. I've written a bunch of books also, uh, but this isn't just theory. I've been um, building early stage internet companies uh, for over 20 years. Uh, After I graduated from Stanford, I went into the internet, not surprisingly, like most people in my generation did, and um, have made some good money working on a lot of uh, small ventures that you haven't heard of mostly, some uh, big celebrity-driven ones that you may have heard of, and um, I also started the uh, digital division for a major Fortune 500 company uh, that you've definitely heard of, uh, multinational. Um, And since then, I've evolved more uh, to run my own businesses quietly, privately in the background, and these days I operate mostly as an angel investor. Uh, investing in early stage companies, and even more importantly, mentoring and helping early stage companies all over the world, trying to get from that hardest uh, zero to one stage, you know, taking the vision from your head and getting it out, uh, not onto paper like the old days, but into code that uh, will then realize your dreams by presenting whatever it is you're, you're about out to the world so that people can participate, hopefully help each other benefit from it, Um, so that you're adding value, and in return, that brings some money back into your pockets and and your backers as well. So that life cycle to me is very interesting. I've spent a lot of time on it, and I'm here today as a community service essentially to help more of you benefit from these same opportunities that have done well for me and and many other folks. So um, let's say enough about me. If you want to know more about me, you can go to scottfox.com, or there's a page about me on Wikipedia. And today we're going to talk about, um, well, startup fundraising. I've uh, got uh, Kelly here and Aruna. Both are going to come on camera, it looks like. And um, I want to thank, let's see. Um, okay, right. So this is community service, so I could use your help. So the quick commercial is, there's no sales pitches today, but the quick commercial is I'm doing my best to share knowledge. So if you like this and you find it useful, please give me some feedback. Um, you can email us. Or even better is to post on LinkedIn, post on Facebook, post on Instagram, wherever you hang out. Uh, and let the people know about the show. We're doing it the first Tuesday of every month at the same time, and hopefully that hits a lot of time zones and a lot of people around the world to help you, um, you know, get your startup going farther and faster. 
If you have a question, you can submit that in advance, um, and uh, we'll give you free tickets to our next Masterminds workshop. So that's another service I run once a month. We do workshops with uh, 30, 40, 50 entrepreneurs from around the world. These days they're all on Zoom, not surprisingly, and um, do a networking and peer group coaching and pitch practice, which is a lot of fun. So that's uh, more information on that is at mastermindsworkshops.com. Okay, so please follow, please subscribe, please do all that social stuff. All right, now, <laughs> so... Um, another quick note, this, these are public and recorded discussions, uh, so please be aware of that. Don't share anything too confidential. I had two things I wanted to talk about before we get to the questions. Uh, one was an article that I read today that I think is really useful for anyone that is watching this. Uh, we're going to publicize this wide and far if I can. This is a new study that came out today that I thought was really useful, and it's about why startups fail. Now, the conclusions from this are not earth-shattering, but they are really useful because most of the numbers and attention that I've seen around startups are given to the big companies, right? You know, Airbnb went public or, you know, the early stage uh, rise to the top. The media likes to focus, not surprisingly, on the billion-dollar exits, the unicorns, right? And especially the solo founder, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world who managed to build a colossus from essentially nothing, from an idea out of his head, right? So um, I think what is more interesting and what's more actionable for regular people is to do things small because that's how you start. Everybody starts small with, you know, no investors and no subscribers and no customers. It's just you or hopefully you and a friend or a few friends to build a team. So this study, I'm going to share it with you here visually. Um, I just think this is pretty cool and you can check it out on your own time. But this is a study that I ran across just today. This is brand new, at least to me from Wilbur Labs, and I don't know Wilbur Labs, uh, but this is called Why Startups Fail. Those of you who can see the video, uh, this is it. You can see it if you're listening on the podcast or elsewhere. Uh, this is wilburlabs.com in the blueprints section. It's called Why Startups Fail, Lessons from 150 Founders. So these folks, Phil Santoro, shout out to him, whoever he is. Uh, thanks for actually looking at early stage founders, right? And there's a lot of data here, and it's not a huge data set. It's 150 startups, but this is where it gets interesting. Why startups fail? Now, some of this is obvious, but I, I'm going to get to a point here real quick. Watch. So why the most common reasons they fail? They ran out of money. Well, that's no surprise. That's why you guys are here today, right? No financing or investor interest. That's starting to be interesting. No business plan or model. Okay. Those two go together. No financing or investor interest and no business plan or model. Well, that means you didn't talk to investors. You didn't have a good model that appealed to people. That's a research question, not an ability question, right? In other words, that's solvable. Then you move down to lost focus. Okay, well, that's life gets in the way sometimes. I get it. Not the right team. You're outcompeted. Okay, but then there's another one, no market need. So you mean you started a startup without knowing anybody cared? That's a little, <laughs> that's a little aggressive even for me, right? So these are the kind of things that we talk about in these office hours in, in my books, the Startup Founders Forum, and especially at the Masterminds Workshops. And here's what I think is interesting, the recommendations. The founders in this study, at least, do more research. Create a plan that makes sense and get to know the investors. These three things are well over the majority of failure points, right? And these are solvable. There's some cool graphs in here on you know, the, the evolution of these different reasons over time, because obviously the COVID pandemic impacted a lot of things more recently. Um, and then down here is... Yes. Okay. So here's the advice. This is the takeaways. Learn from your mistakes. Okay. This is advice that everybody's parents give them, but it's hard to do. But with a startup, 
it's only when my first startup failed, by the way, I'm not perfect. I lost a lot of money, almost everything I had with my first startup. Um, one of my cousins said to me something I still remember. It's only a mistake if you don't learn from it, right? So you have to be in learning mode. It's real easy when you're a founder to get caught up in your own vision and ignore feedback, but that's dangerous. Second, listen to your customers. Honestly, that's even more important. I can't tell you how many startups I meet that haven't talked to actual customers. They're so convinced of the, how clever their idea is that they haven't gone out and talked to anybody. Well, that's really dangerous, and there you can see it at 53.8% of the failure. And third is very related, tied for that. In second place, ensure there is a market. Yeah, <laughs> your ideas, nobody cares about your ideas unless it benefits them, right? What's in it for me? That's what everybody wants to know. And you get the idea here, create a solid business plan and so forth. And passionate is down there in one, two, three, four, fifth place down here, fifth place. So if that's fifth place, a lot of the advice that you're seeing in the world um, in terms of startup success is about your passion and so forth. But you really got to have your crap together first, right? Figure out if there's a market, figure out what the competition looks like, figure out if investors will support it. Like this is basic blocking and tackling stuff that you can do without spending a lot of money and without raising money. This is the kind of research that we're talking about here today and in all the services that I offer uh, to you as an aspiring entrepreneur. So if that sounds interesting to you, uh, you're in the right place. <laughs> Welcome to Masterminds. Okay, so startup office hours. What we're really here doing is talking about questions. Uh, so questions, so I've got uh, two folks on the line here. We're going to start with that. And if other folks have comments um, on YouTube Live or Facebook Live, um, or anywhere else you're seeing this and you type them in, they should show up uh, in this dashboard I'm using. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully they do. Um, and i uh, be happy to help you as well if you'd like. So comments are welcome as well. Okay, so we've got uh, – let's, let's do this here. Uh, I'm going to invite my guests on screen. Hopefully this – let's see here. Here comes Kelly, and here comes Aruna. All right, there we go. That's a good start. Now let's see if we can hear you guys. Can we hear you? Hey, how are you doing, Scott? That's Kelly. Excellent. Excellent. Good to see you guys. Okay. All right. So Kelly had a question about customers and Aruna had a question about her business model. So who, who wants to go first? You guys can, you can fight it out. I guess I'll go. Okay. There you go. <laughs> All right. So Aruna, we'll come back to you in a few minutes and uh, happy to see you both. And if anybody else, like I said, you want to join us, uh, message over and we'll try to get you on the air as well. Okay. Aruna, we'll be back to you in a couple minutes. Okay. Okay, there you are, Kelly. Hey, good to see you today. Um, so you wrote in. Well, why don't you why don't you frame the question for us, and we'll see what we can discuss here together. So we are a brand new startup using basically friends and family's money. We've got an investment of about two hundred and fifty thousand. We've hired a vendor to basically get our product out, so we can start getting it basically to sales and actually getting something in the market. And they've become increasingly difficult and started trying to upsell us really unreasonably um, a lot. And the problem is, is we've got friends and family money. It's very limited funds. You know, we're not, we're not even earning an income yet. Um, but they keep upselling us. The problem is, is we need our product. So what's the balancing act? How do you deal with the difficult vendor when, in a sense, we need the product more than they need our money? Um, and so how do we deal with that with not being suckers and just giving in to every demand that they have, but also we need the product. We have, you know, it's vital for the company that we get this, that we get this product done. What they've given us so far, you know, we have milestones and we've got, they've done fantastic work, but they just keep coming up with 
figure out kind of the balancing act between, okay, this, you know, paying this to get the product, but also not blowing our entire budget because, you know, it's, you know, pretty much every dollar is accounted for. So yeah. kind of that balancing act on how to deal with just a difficult vendor so we can get that and get out of the market. Right, right, okay. First of all, sorry. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> well, it does happen, and that, that's exactly right. So for anybody else that's watching this, I'm sure a lot of you are nodding your heads and going, yeah, that sounds familiar, or shaking your heads, I should say. Um, so first of all, don't feel bad, Kelly. This happens all the time. It's not, you're not, you haven't done necessarily anything wrong, right? I mean, this is just, this is business, right? So, um, and it sounds like you get that, but just to say that for everybody else, this shit happens, right? Um, and it's, uh, the good news is that you were smart enough to put milestones into the deal so that they're getting paid, presumably, based on accomplishment. So that's a recommendation for everybody else listening, right? Don't just do a fixed price for the finish line. Try to squeeze it out into three, four, six, whatever milestone payments so that it incentivizes the vendor to keep delivering, right? Um, and certainly don't give them too much up front because sometimes they'll just take, you know, half or whatever and disappear, uh, especially if you're talking with about smaller, uh, uh, smaller companies or vendors. Um, the other good news, Kelly, is that they're doing good work. So that's great news as well. So they're not absconding with your money. So I know it, it, you're not in a good place, but, man, it could be worse <laughs> so, whatever that's worth. Okay, so can, you, can I ask a couple more questions just to flesh it out a little? Um, what, you don't need to be too confidential here. Don't reveal anything because this is a public broadcast. But, but what kind of vendor is this and what is the product? Just the, what is it they're delivering? We have basically a muscle memory device. It basically can track a thousand um, movements per second. And so they're more or less developing a hardware and software kind of combination for that. Um, they're about 80% done right now. Right now it's just going to be used for table tennis, but we're going to stand up for it um, once you know, we first get our initial product. So that's kind of what they're developing, about 80% done. Um, it was used that, you know, basically an AI code for table tennis. So, so this is a, sorry, this, this is a physical product? It's actually a device of some sort? It's a physical product, okay. which they're also doing, you know, kind of a code and getting this ready for, you know, like a Google Play Store and getting this like an app developed as well. And then our software engineers will kind of take over once they get the basic core. So is the piece, so what are they holding up? The deliver, they're actually manufacturing or? Yeah, they're, they're basically, they're developing, the, they basically, the hardware's already there, they're just kind of assembling it in certain ways um, to get it, to basically get it to where we need to be. And we mostly, we have a prototype, they're just mostly shrinking it to, you know, about the size of a nickel. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what they're, what they're doing and for that. And then giving us code too, so it can, you know, we can communicate with the device. It can well, store, provide feedback, things like that. All right, well, sounds cool. Okay, so this is not a typical software delivery issue. This is this right. is more complex than that. Okay, too bad. <laughs> That's, all right, so, okay, and are they onshore or are they offshore? They're in Canada. Canada, okay. So near near shore, I guess you'd call that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, so, all right, so what are my ideas? And anybody that has suggestions in the chat, please go ahead. This is a common issue, and there's lots of ways to slice this. Uh, the honest answer is I don't have a great answer. I mean, they've got you where they want you, right? And especially if the amounts of money you're talking about are not materially significant to them, I, what are you going to do, right? The, right. The, yeah, and, yeah, and they're, we know that they're not really making much money off of the project. That's kind of why they kind of keep, keep trying to come up with these costs. Yeah. Um, you know, the contract is 
you know, favorable for us, but that really just doesn't matter because we need the project. We need, we can't start off with another vendor. So we're just trying to, you know, what, how do we figure out, okay, you know, they keep coming up with these costs that are kind of, you know, unreasonable, but yeah. product and kind of stuff, you know, we've, we've done things in the past where we've, we've gotten on the phone with them. We've listened to their side, even though they're, you know, their excuses were absurd. We like, Hey, you know what, let's, we pay it. And we've done that a couple of times where, you know, just a few thousand dollars, Paid it just to try and kind of hey we want both sides to be working together and yeah. we've done that and it still hasn't they're still just like almost like oh well these guys are suckers yeah <laughs> yeah right send them send them another, another invoice and so you know we're just is it a big is it a big firm or a small group they're a decent size they they've they've lost a lot with COVID. The we talked with their CEO and they've lost about fifty to sixty percent of the company with COVID so they're they're experiencing hard times too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I have sort of three ideas. Um, one is to talk to the CEO privately. I mean, that's, it sounds like you probably already tried that and try to build a relationship and just be honest, you know, and he's screwing you over and he's got to stop. Uh, the second is uh, the backup of, you know, threatening legal action. That's why I asked where they're located. Um, especially <laughs> apologies to any Canadians online, but, you know, Canadians tend to be pretty nice people <laughs> and, they, and they don't like litigation. So um, that might have more weight than it would carry in the United States. Um, the good thing is to, um, you know, the Canadian legal system, you might have a chance at least, you know, if they were in uh, another country with farther away, uh, it might be harder to pursue them legally. Um, and along with the legal threat, of course, goes the social media threat, which and I, I'm not a threatening person, but, you know, if you're getting, desperate, you know, they're pushing you into a corner, then maybe you need to make them aware that a, a cornered animal acts desperately and you don't want to do that. I mean, it, it sounds like a, just a kind of a bare knuckle negotiation. Uh, Razel is, oh, okay, Razel, that's a good point. I'll get, I'm, I'm going to quote what he just said there. The other piece is, um, well, let me actually say this. Razel is in the chat um, over from YouTube. He says, I, I think they're uh, struggling to deliver on the price. So that might be something to dig into a little more. Um, and then he says, this is kind of a summary of what I was saying, best to sit down with them and reevaluate position work on a partnership. And, that, and that's where I was going is that the things I started with are all the negatives, but the positive is maybe there's some way you can incentivize them. I'm sure you've thought of this and you don't have a lot of cash, but um, worst comes to worst, you know, maybe there's some sort of um, profit sharing or revenue split or even equity. I mean, I hate to do that, but you know, if you're stuck, you got to do something, right? So time is money for you. And if, if you don't think you have enough um, resources to keep going or raise more money, then I think your options are limited, which is why you're here talking to us, I guess, right? Um, so maybe there's some sort of, I, I would, rather than going negative, or, or it's that, you know, kind of the carrot and the stick, right? We talked about the stick. The carrot is more some, you know, what can you offer? You know, what, what, it, what else do you have in your bag of tricks um, you know, even if it's just something nice, like sending the CEO a bottle of wine, you know, or something, I mean, you know, think outside the box a little, you know, get their attention because, um, hopefully with your milestones, you still have some money that you still owe them. I mean, you know, you, the options for him sound to me like, look, you either get no more money from us and you force us out of business, in which case I go social, I go ugly on social and have to sue you, which I hate to do, or, Hey, look, I just sent you a nice bottle of scotch and, 
you know, how about I give you 2% on a, a sales for a year or something, you know, like help me out here. I mean, it sounds like you're at that place. And, and, and we're, we're fortunately not at desperation stage, okay. um, but we do, you know, we've brought on kind of the, an engineer that we're paying and, you know, they're starting to, at first they were just a few thousand dollars here and there, but they're starting to get much larger kind of on their, on their increases. And that's going to cut, you know, we kind of know where we need to get, you know, our software engineer for X amount of time to get where we need to be for, you know, to get this product out and to do what we need to do with it. And, you know, they're cutting into that. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. We're, we're still able to finish the contract. If the problem is, you know, down the road, we're not going to be able to, to you know, keep the engineers on and, and things like that. So, what we need to do to, to get to the finish line to where we can, you know, move to the next stage. Yeah, that's awkward is a nice word for that, right? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. We're trying to keep from getting desperation, I guess. Okay, okay. Well, all right. Well, then we've outlined the worst-case scenario for you. Hopefully you don't get there, but maybe some of those tips will help you along the way. Yeah, no, no, that's that's interesting. I'll, um, You know, I, I think the incentivizing thing, I know that they've, uh, you know, they're hurting too, so maybe we can figure out a way to, to work it out and see what they're doing. Yeah, and if you can do that, it, enemies, yeah. yeah, and it sounded like you're um, you had a conversation with the CEO, but maybe it was in a group. But if you could do it one on one, you know, where he's not okay. in front of his people and you're not in front of your people or whoever the whoever the decision makers are on both sides, you know, maybe he's not the decision maker. Honestly, you might poke around on that too. The CEO may not be actually the boss. There may be somebody else pulling the strings who's the chairman or the chairwoman, you know, or their lead investor is his dad, you know, <laughs> or something, right? I mean, there may be something else going on that you could poke around at um, okay. and, and see, you know, to make sure that you're actually talking to someone who has the ability to change the game in a positive way for you. Okay, so, perfect. All right. Well, great. Good to see you. Um, thanks for joining us. And uh, we're going to bring on Aruna. And if this is the kind of stuff, guys, that we talk about all the time uh, in the Masterminds Startup Founders Forum. So if you haven't checked that out, go ahead. Be happy to see you over there. Okay, so that was Kelly. Hopefully that was interesting and useful to folks. All right, so now we're going to talk to our friend Aruna. And like I said, if you have a question um, or a comment, uh, sounds like it isn't working on YouTube. Okay, Brad, thanks for posting that. Not much I can do at the moment, I guess. Um, but I'll look at that for next time, I guess. But if you're watching this or listening, it uh, sounds like it's working on Facebook Live. So head over there. Although we're getting actually a bunch of you look like you're on YouTube. So maybe, Brad, um, there's a couple different YouTube links. Try going to uh, uh, Facebook. Uh, sorry, YouTube.com slash Scott Fox. Um, that, hopefully that one. Okay. So Aruna is up next. Aruna, we're going to talk about um, – well, I'll let, I'll let Aruna tell you what we're going to talk about. Hey, Aruna, nice to see you. Hi. Good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. Thank you, Thank you for having me over. So um, my concept is more service-based, but it is um, more based on an IT platform. Um, this is supposed to happen not in the United States, but outside of the country. My concern was well, two things. One was – um, where should I go to raise funds? Two, at what time should I go to raise funds? Like, do I do I get my um, you know some kind of a proof of concept before I go uh, to VCs or investors trying to invest in this, or should I just say this is what the concept is, this is the number, I know there is potential, I know there is need. Um, and I've done a mock test before for myself and just go ahead from there based on my, my past experience. I'm a little confused there because I'm, I'm hearing two things. One, get an MVP. 
um, you know, try to go that route. Two, do a mock-up and give some live examples so you can tell them exactly what your product is and what you're trying to resolve. Yeah. Um, the reason I am going between these two is because very intuitive um, uh, solution, intuitive, pro- intuitive solution there is very apparent. You can see it. You can see what I'm offering. And that is my concern. And that's where I am right now. Okay, so there's a couple questions in there, um, and all good ones. You're in the right place. <laughs> so let's, let's start. Let's start at the beginning. So, um, how to how to raise money? Basically, um, can you do it with a mock-up? Can you do it with, or do you need a, a MVP? Um, and for those of you listening, that's minimum viable product. If you're not familiar with that terminology, a better way to say that is minimum valuable product. Um, something that other people, because that implies that other people actually care about the product, not just that it's viable, but that it's valuable. And I credit that to my friend, Barry James Folsom. Um, maybe he got that somewhere else, but anyway, uh, minimum valuable product. Um, the short answer is the rules that you read about or hear about online all the time, there's no rules really. It's just, it's a continuum, right? There's, these aren't discrete silos and you're, you're smart enough to know that, but just to make it clear, um, if you can raise money with a minimum valuable product, uh, sorry, with just a mock-up, then absolutely do that, right? Um, if it takes more, then do that. If it takes less, do that, right? You raise money however you can, right? So you just got to, it's more a question of who, I would turn the telescope around as it were and think about who are the likely investors. Um, I, this is the kind of research I was talking about a few minutes ago. Um, it's really easy as a product driven founder and I, and I am one myself, um, uh, to get caught up in the product and the features, which is good because you need that of course. But if you really think you need to raise money, then you need to do research on the investors, right? So who are the likely investors in this? What do they want to see? How have they funded uh, people in the past and what do they require? So if you have an uncle who's in, you know, the textiles business, which is your focus and has some money, well, you know, all it might take for him is a greeting, a birthday card, right? Because <laughs> he's your uncle, right? So uh, that's a different, different situation than going to, you know, Sequoia or Kleiner Perkins or Andreessen Horowitz who are going to require absolutely a minimum viable uh, product, but actually traction in the market and, and user growth metrics that are impressive, right? So I think um, a lot of it is about the investor target, uh, not just the product target. So that's kind of a wishy-washy answer, but hopefully that heads you a little bit in the right direction. Um, and the other thing I would say is that the um, – the question of whether you want to raise money at all is really the, the threshold question there, you know, the gating question. Why raise money at all, right? I, I, everybody thinks they need to do that, but I'm here to tell you the less money you raise, the happier you will be, right? If you, if you can make it without the money, right? So you have some experience. We've talked about, actually, Arun is a member of this forum we're talking about. Um, I think we traded some messages there about uh, you having bootstrapped some previous stuff. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so you have some experience in that. So here, here's the short answer. The longer you can bootstrap, the better, because that's likely to obviously keep other people out of your business, literally, um, but also give you something increasingly positive to show. Uh, the fact is that anyone who's looking to raise growth money these days, which is what I call uh, angel investor money or venture capital type money or private equity money, those businesses, and they are businesses, they're looking to invest in companies that are already moving, right? You have to already have built the car and they're just adding additional gasoline, right? They're not looking for ideas anymore. 
there's just too much product in the market, uh, too many business plans, too many smart people. Um, the Internet makes it too easy for everybody to reach each other. These are all good things, I think. But from their point of view, they get overwhelmed with business plans and opportunities. So why wouldn't they hold out for the one that's already proven it can make some money and hopefully some significant money and not only make money, but is growing quickly, right? So the bar is really high. I haven't heard of anybody raising any money recently with just an idea or even just a mock-up or a business plan uh, or a PowerPoint. Um, you really need uh, demonstrated what they call traction, meaning revenue. Um, but again, that goes back to my first point. How many, who are you talking to, right? So if you're talking to your uncle, hey, you know, happy birthday, Uncle Fred. You know, <laughs> here is this thing I'm working on. You got 50 grand, right? I mean, that, that, that's a, does that, is that helpful? I'm just trying to give you the goalposts here. Uh, it is in a way, but it is also the, the problem with this venture is you either you go big or you're going to be like squashed by the other people that are there in yeah. the online uh, space. Yes. So this has like the, the amount of money that I'm going to start out with is about $2 million. Mm -hmm. And I require that for the technology that I'm going to be putting in. The other backend stuff that I have to set up yeah. um, in order to, and, and, and I need to have a minimum number of customers, which I don't have an issue with because of the population and the need, um, and the, not, not just the population, but the right amount of targeted audience that we're looking for, for my kind of a project. Um, the issue, however, is that I, you either go big or you go home. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is that. This is that kind of an idea, and I've been through ideas that has started in, in my home, started in like a small thousand square feet uh, space, all that stuff. Great, but unfortunately, because of the technology, because of the databases, because of everything that is at the back end that contributes towards the success of this particular project, so to speak, I cannot go like I can't do like a mock-up. I mean, I could do a mock-up, do some virtual stuff, yeah. but I can't do, like, the MVP, the website, and whatnot. It's going to be of no use. Yeah. Okay, so you're, you're – I've got the answer that you don't want to hear. you got to do it anyway, right? Nobody's going to give you $2 million. Well, I do that anyway. Yeah, okay, no, that's what I'm saying, though, is, but you know this, right? You've got to do the mock-up to get to the MVP anyway. You, you're going to have to do this all anyway. If you're going to do this, then – you need to change your mindset already about what you're going to do and say, I, this is what I'm doing, right? You're right. I can see you're right at that threshold, right? I meet entrepreneurs like this all the time. Like I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm like, well then do it. Right. And there's, you don't have any choice here, right? I mean, you're going to have to do a mock-up anyway. Right. So I think you're kind of, um, you, I mean, you're smart, right? You, you want to avoid your, minimize your risk. I get it. Right. Totally. But you're going to have to do a mock-up anyway. So get going. And, and if you meet somebody along the way, who your mock-up impresses enough to invest, Yahoo, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's the whole point, right? So you're going to have to, it sounds like you're going to have to do that anyway. So, so I would, so here's, here's another way to help you along then. So the concern here is that you're wasting your time, right? And wasting your time, your money, your effort. Um, and this is everybody, we all face this as entrepreneurs. So I would think of this in terms of, uh, uh, I don't think this is in one of my books, but I, I should probably write it down, um, a budget. And people talk about budgets all the time in terms of money, but I'm talking about a time and motivation and energy budget, right? Like, I don't know the rest of your life, and we don't have time to talk about it right now, but, like, 
think about this. Like how much time do you have to invest in this? And I'm talking about time. Money helps, right? But you need time because it's you. This is all coming out of your head, right? So do you have two hours a week, 10 hours a week, 100 hours a week? You know, and, and figure out how to allocate this and write yourself a project plan. And you know the steps. We've just talked about them, right? You've you got the idea, and then you've got you know, a minimum, uh, like a mock-up, and then hopefully that goes to this, to this, to this. And then give yourself some sort of timeline and see what you can execute in that amount of time and put yourself like it is a business because it is a business. It's just a business that doesn't have any customers, investors, or revenue yet, right? and get going. Um, and then out of that, and here's where I'm going with that. So if you're, if your pie is this big, maybe you can carve out 20% of that to also be doing research on investors as you go. Cause this is a big problem with people that do this all the time. Um, our, our next masterminds workshop, uh, the workshops I run are, uh, once a month also, and the next one is next week, and I'm getting questions in already, and people, uh, people do this all the time. I've built this thing, now I want to go find investors. Like, you're doing it wrong, right? You've got to be thinking about investors all along. You want to be building relationships and, or at least researching who the investors are in this space so that they can be part of the journey. I mean, you know, every investor would love it if people show up with some fantastic high-growth company that has no previous investors. You know, okay, great, I'll, I'll invest. But that's not how it works, right? For every month that you go along, uh, it's getting more complex. You're, you're bringing in cousins and friends and family rounds, and the cap table gets difficult, and then you've got a couple old customers that don't do the right thing, or you get in the situation where Kelly is. It gets complex, right? So all of this has to happen at the same time, and there's, there's no way out of it. Um, the point is that you allocate some time for research to investors along the way so that they grow with you. And that way they can help their and good investors are guardrails that will help you avoid those kind of problems um, so that they can invest in you later, even if they're not investing today. Um, one, a friend of mine once said, uh, uh, go friend raising before you go fundraising. And that's something that you could be doing uh, along the way here. Okay, I think we're back. <laughs> Did we lose the connection? Okay, so anyway, I was just, my point was, um, go ahead and get going. You're going to have to do these certain basic steps anyway. Give yourself a budget, but allocate a chunk of that for investor research and relationship development, just as you would for marketing or product development or recruiting and those other pieces, right? Um, and um, I think that would get you where you want to go. Is that helpful? Fair enough. Okay, all right. Well, great. Well, good to see you. Um, happy to happy to have you here. Going to move on here to uh, some other questions, and uh, hope to see you again in the in the founders forum again soon, Arana. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let me head over back over to the chat. Hey, Rizal. Hey, Uriel. Hey, Jerry. Um, you guys, uh, Brad. It looks like if you refresh refresh on YouTube, that will work again. So a couple more things here, um, and if you want to type anything into the chat rooms, go ahead. We can try to address those as well. Um, Let's see, what did I have here? Oh, okay, so I wanted to talk about, um, I found a great resource today, um, and it's online. Uh, a lot of the questions that we get are about early stage funding uh, documentation, meaning, you know, what kind of, um, well, first of all, what kind of structure do you use? Do you use a convertible note or a series uh, seed equity, or do you use a safe note or a KISS note or a post-money safe? There's all different kinds of structures, and this can be very confusing uh, to uh, a new founder. Uh, it's confusing even if you're an experienced founder. It's confusing even to a lot of attorneys, right? Um, but uh, I found a resource today I wanted to share, which is from the Cooley Law Firm, which uh, shout out to Cooley. 
Um, they're not a current sponsor of uh, my work, but um, uh, they were the first law firm that uh, helped me with my first startup back a long time ago um, and um, very helpful and generous with their time back in the day. But anyway, they have a portal now called um, Cooley Go. And what I found today here, I will show you, is a whole series, it's a document generator. Let me get to the point, right? It's a document generator. So that if you can, you still need to figure out which kind of structure to use, and that's a longer discussion that we could have some time if anybody wants to. Um, but creating the documents is tremendously expensive if you hire attorneys to do it from scratch. So just like you have kind of like LegalZoom or something where you can create simple incorporation or trademark sort of documents, um, this Cooley Go, and I'm going to share it with you here on the live stream, um, is a generator for that kind of stuff. And I've not used this. This is not legal advice, as I said a minute ago in the captions. Um, not legal or financial advice. You should consult your own experts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, here, here it is. Okay, so this is the uh, National Venture Capital Association has uh, financing documents. So these are standard documents the National Venture Capital Association uses. Very useful to standardize this stuff because all this stuff used to be custom every time. It was very expensive. Um, but the uh, National Venture Capital Association has model venture financing documents. And then this thing at Cooley Go, um, actually you can generate, uh, see here it's a series seed equity financing package or safe financing documents generator. Uh, and you can click on that, and you basically fill out the forms, and um, you can fill out the forms, and it will generate the documents. Now, like I said, this is not qualified legal advice, um, but this is a great place to start uh, because then you have something at least to work with, and at least some of the documents, like the SAFE documents, which stands for, by the way, Simple Agreement for Future Equity, are designed that you really could do them yourself. Now, I, as a non-attorney founder is what I'm saying. Um, here's the link for that, by the way, in case you missed it. Um, but uh, I don't recommend that. Uh, I think you really should have qualified um, legal and financial advisors, absolutely, and I'm not one of them. <laughs> but um, this can give you the base documents that you need to, uh, at a minimum, just learn this stuff yourself, of course, but also to have something to propose or, and here's the real point, to give to attorneys so that they don't bill you for every minute uh, of creating this stuff, which they're really probably pulling it out of a template library anyway, right? But it gives you a base format to use, which is standard in the industry, and then you can more worry about um, the, filling in the details correctly rather than, you know, rebuilding the whole house from scratch. Uh, so that can be a very valuable thing, and I recommend that kind of thing to you guys if you're looking to raise money. So I was impressed, and thank you to Cooley, uh, to Cooley for that. Okay, let's see here. Back over to the chat, and we'll see what else we go. Uh, yeah, Latanya, let's see that. Can you see that? Yeah, Latanya says, Latanya Esquire, it looks like Latanya is an attorney, like me. Uh, and she even says, at least do the documents and then get an attorney to review. Exactly, Latanya, thank you. That's, uh, you said that better than I did. <laughs> it's a good place to start, right? Uh, Roselle says, uh, what's the uh, salary for, ask for a decent salary, not excessive, just not something that will not be limiting. People can tell me that I need to ask for a minimum. Okay, so Roselle, uh, sorry, I'm just looking at the chat here real quick. What kind of salary can I really ask for as a founder, CEO, or CTO in my initial proposal? Okay, so um, yeah, founder salaries are a, t a tough, uh, a tough equation, right? Because every dollar you take out doesn't go into the company, and if you're using investor money, they don't like that. 
like when I invest in companies, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to invest in a company to see them immediately spend the money on something not directly related to acceleration of the business. That's why I'm investing. I'm not investing to help you cover your mortgage, you know, or uh, pay your kid's school tuition or, you know, feed your dog, right? <laughs> it's to grow the company and hopefully make money back because from the investor's point of view, it's an investment, right? Um, so keeping sal- salaries for founders and CTO in your example there, um, Rizal, uh, low is, is a tension that always occurs in the relationship between investors and founders and early stage hires. Um, there are guidelines online. You can look at this kind of thing. Um, I don't know if you've Googled that question, but um, there are standards that have emerged. Um, and generally, you know, depending on how senior you are and how well the company's funded and uh, the field you're in and the living costs where you live, that kind of stuff, you know, those are all moving targets, right? Um, but it means that, uh, you know, a very experienced senior person might be able to live on 50 grand a year if they're living in a, in a more affordable part of the country or, or the world. But if they're living in the Bay Area, um, you know, or in Manhattan, they might need 10000 a month easily, right, just to, to live uh, and eat, <laughs> Um, and if they have kids and, you know, dependents and that sort of thing. So there's not a, a hard and fast answer. Um, a few thousand dollars a month certainly seems reasonable. Um, rather than picking a number or giving you a number, I would suggest that you um, work backwards from how much financing they have and figure out what is reasonable and fair, um, especially compared to other team members. And, and here's the key is that it's not forever, right? There's no reason this is going to, this boils down to some sort of contract or agreement or at least a set of emails or something. And there's no reason it has to be forever. Right. So, um, you know, if you can, if you can survive on whatever you think is reasonable, three, five, eight thousand dollars a month, I don't know what it is. You start there, but put in an escalator uh, so that you say, you know, after 90 days, it goes up a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars. After six months, it goes up this much more and or instead of just time key it to milestones once we get you know the the product launched it goes to this once we have our first x dollars in revenue it goes to this you know and if you can get that kind of stuff sorted out up front it it should kick in automatically assuming everything goes well of course the reason we have contracts is because things often don't go well so you need to figure out what else happens um but uh that's the uh that's the challenge for you is to, is to negotiate that um and um within reasonable ranges for everybody else, uh, especially if you're coming in as a leader of the company, you want to be a good example uh, and, and show that you're, you're doing your share. And, um, and, I, and I'm sure you would, right? I mean, that's what you're trying to do. Um, okay, let's see what other folks say about that. Uh, Uriel suggests uh, to Roselle that it all depends. My clients in San Francisco early stage startups take a salary of 60K, which makes it hard to survive in the Bay. But once they reach Series A, they up the salary to 120, 150. Well, there you go. That's pretty much what I just said in a more succinct way. Uh, thank you, Ariel. That's that's right, right? So you're starting like 5K a month to 10K or 15K a month, depending on where they are and, you know, the, the stage and funding of the company. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Rizelle, what's the best way for this chat? Okay, so good point. So next time, I'd love to have more of you on camera. That's fine. And you need to RSVP in advance and fill out a little form so that I can give you a special link. I can't give it right now because I'm busy. Uh, but if you'd like to do this again, uh, first Tuesday of next month, I'll be back. And you can um, uh, find the RSVP form online. It's posted on uh, YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn and Eventbrite, uh, all, all my places. <laughs> uh, and there's a form you can fill out. Um, and um, 
and then I'll get you the link we can get on camera like Kelly and Aruna did. Okay. Um, okay. Let's see. So, uh, sorry, I think we covered that, but let me just scroll down here. Um, okay. Sorry. I wasn't, we didn't lose the connection there. I'm reading. Okay. Okay. I think we covered that one for the moment. Um, here's another one that I got. Um, this is a common one. Uh, how can I get attention or publicity from my startup's new services or products? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a typical uh, question that I have a special answer for actually. Um, the typical growth marketing approach these days is to raise some money and spend it on uh, paid advertising, essentially buy traffic on Facebook is very typical uh, and not a bad thing. If you can do that in a, in a uh, additive way, right? You put a dollar in, get, two dollars out right so that your customer acquisition costs are reasonable um and that's a fine thing um i have a, another angle that a lot of people neglect that i think is kind of cool um and that is uh podcast publicity so podcasts are a growing area you guys all know this um and um especially during the pandemic uh audio listening has gone up um you've got formats like a clubhouse that are audio only getting lots of press anyway a different way that isn't talked about much that has had great success for me and I think could for you guys too is to go on podcasts and get interviewed about your product. Now this is more obviously for consumer focused type brands or products. Um, although there are podcasts on just about everything these days and there are business to business podcasts. Uh, so even if you have uh, you know, some sort of enterprise service or, or like Kelly's example, you know, maybe the product is something that helps, um, you know, with physical therapists or doctors of a certain kind, you know, uh, there might be a podcast about that. And by the way, if there isn't, why don't you start one, right? Podcasts are easy to start and they're fun. Um, but where I was going with this is that uh, podcasts are a good place to promote yourself. And this is one of the businesses I run, actually. There's a, a site and a service called radioguestlist.com. And I started this uh, a dozen years ago or so when my, my second book came out um, because I wanted to get publicity. And it's a free service, by the way, free. <laughs> um, we, and um, you can, they're upsells, of course. Uh, um, but you can get leads for podcast interviews uh, and uh, get yourself booked on shows to talk about your favorite stuff, which is you and <laughs> what you're building, right? And there are a lot of shows about startups these days. And if that's your thing, I'd recommend um, radioguestlist.com as well as the podcast directory. Um, here I have one over here. Uh, this is a book. This is a 2018 edition, but uh, we publish a huge directory of listings of podcasts and shows that you can get on. And the new one just came out. That's why I was thinking about this. Uh, literally, it's just coming out this week. Uh, and you can find easy ways to get publicity. So if that's interesting to you, check out radioguestlist.com. It's a really ugly website, by the way. Don't hate on it, uh, but it works. <laughs> it's like Craigslist. Ugly, but it works. Okay. What else we got here? Uh, wow, we're 45 minutes in already. I'm glad you guys are finding this interesting. Thanks for sticking around. I appreciate you being here. By the way, I'm doing this uh, for free, uh, trying to help everybody, community service basically, um, just as I give the profits from my books to charity uh, to help uh, inner city kids back in Detroit where I grew up. Um, but I could use your help promoting this. So if you think this is useful, if you see us posting online or even right now, if you could tweet about it, uh, post on LinkedIn, post on Facebook, um, subscribe, follow on YouTube, all those, you know, all those verbs, right? <laughs> and if you have uh, feedback, by the way, office hours at scottfox.com, office hours at scottfox.com, or if you have trouble finding um, 
the uh, question form for next time if you'd like to join me on camera. Um, okay, so I saw a couple more things in the in the uh, chat room there. Let's see what we got here. Uh, sorry. Okay. A lot of potential investors ask, how will I get paid back or liquidate? This is from TriVista Media. I have experience creating public companies for other people. How much easier is it to raise funds as a public entity? Okay, so TriVista, I would do it as a BDC. So any shares sold are free trading, no reg A financing. Okay, I'm not sure what a BDC is, TriVista, so if you can fill me in on that. Um, the first, so I, I'm a little confused about the public company raising funds as a public entity, um, unless you're just talking about share sales for a publicly traded vehicle already, but maybe you can clarify that a little. It looks like you're on YouTube. Go ahead and um, post a little clarification there. But I can certainly talk about how to, uh, the first part, a lot of potential investors ask, how will I get paid back or liquidate? Absolutely. <laughs> that is the goal of investors, Right. Um, I invested in a company uh, last month, uh, no, uh, two months ago, December. Uh, great company, very exciting, um, but uh, he's doing so well that he may not raise any more money, right? So I got in uh, and put some money in, and now suddenly they've got revenue coming at him from left, right, and center. And um, so what if he never sells, right? So great, the CEO and the team end up making a couple million a year maybe, why would they sell, right? <laughs> it's a nice life. Uh, so it's a very common concern, and especially um, this is especially important for any of you who are taking money from venture capital firms because venture capital firms, they're not like me, an individual, where this kind of the money more or less comes back into my checkbook. A venture capital firm is set up with limited partners, right? So they don't have money of their own. They raise money from what they call LPs, limited partners. So, so the limited partners each chip in, say, $10 million, and the VC fund has a $100 million fund. Then they go and invest that. But here's the trick. They have a lifespan expectation for that, that over six or eight or hopefully 10 years at most, all the things that they put money into, all the companies that they invest in, exit to return the money back. Of course, a lot of them fail. A few do okay, and hopefully a couple are big winners, right? But the point is the LPs want the money back. They, they can't benefit. They don't want their $10 million, um, to come back you know, $400,000 a year forever as dividends, that's not the business they're in. They need the money back, the principal sum, the whole thing, in, in large volume, <laughs> ideally, right? So, so, um, uh, so how will I get paid back or liquidate? So um, that is the point. You have to put in um, a uh, – you have to put in some sort of exit strategy – um, the, some of the in-betweens on that, and this is probably what you're digging for, are that you can have sort of exit clauses. This is uh, contracts, which is a lawyer word for meaning make shit up that we agree on, right? So you can do contracts and you can have an agreement that when the company gets to X um, dollars in revenue or X customers or certain amount of profit or EBITDA or uh, X, Y, and Z, then the company has to start paying back right? Sometimes that's done as a percentage, like in the form of interest on a note, like you get 10% interest on your note every year, maybe forever or some time period. Uh, another way might be a percentage of the actual sales or profits um, that they buy you out. It, it may just be a, a, a recurring revenue stream back to the investor. 
Um, but um, that, again, that might be okay for somebody like me. And that is what I negotiated with the company I was just talking about. Uh, but for a VC fund, they want you out. They want the company to be sold. So uh, the short answer is you got to negotiate it and figure out a way uh, to give them liquidity, because if you don't expect to give them liquidity, they will not invest. Um, their business is to give you money and then get it back. Uh, and hopefully double, triple, 10 times. Right. Um, so, that's, that's the opportunity and the challenge. Um, uh, let's see. So TriVista is BDC is a business development corporation, technically a closed and neutral fund, but it is a public company. Okay. Okay. So, okay. In that case, so TriVista, I'm not familiar with that structure. That's not a typical venture structure at all, but it sounds pretty cool. Uh, speaking as a former investment banker, that's very interesting. <laughs> um, so a business development corporation essentially is a publicly traded vehicle. So this is almost like a SPAC, right? A special purpose acquisition company um, that you can put out there um, so that the public markets um, have stock that trades. So that's not typical for a venture investment at all, as far as I know. Um, but yes, it would allow you to raise money from the public, assuming that the public is interested in buying the stock. Um, so that's, um, that's beyond my expertise, quite frankly, and beyond the world of venture investing. Um, in that case, you'd have to engage an investment bank or a brokerage firm or somebody to uh, market the thing out, or maybe it's more of a crowdfunding thing. I'm not even sure, but you just have to market and get public interest in the stock. Um, that is very different than the venture model. So I'm um, happy to learn more or discuss it. If you'd like to join us in the Startup Founders Forum, maybe we can figure out an angle for you, but um, that that's not a thing that I, I can help you with much more. Um, but liquid, liquidity, yes, the investors are going to want liquidity. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're almost out of time here. It's almost been an hour already. Um, I don't see any more questions at the moment, or maybe I missed them and I apologize if I did. Um, there are plenty of questions out there, obviously. Um, uh, let's say, let's talk about what's next. Okay. So um, let's see. Sorry, just looking at my notes. Okay, so what we've got is um, upcoming events. So there are other events like this. I do this twice a month, uh, once uh, publicly like this. This is uh, startup office hours. This is uh, the first Tuesday of every month. And then uh, sometime in the middle of the month, uh, we do the Mastermind Startup Accelerator Workshops, and those are private uh, group functions uh, where uh, both of our question askers today are veterans of that, actually. Um, so a lot of people come to those, and those are open worldwide thanks to Zoom. So if you're listening and like to join us, uh, free tickets are available if you ask a question uh, or uh, if you are a underrepresented, underrepresented minority in the venture world, basically meaning you don't look like me, <laughs> then we'll be happy to help you out if you need help attending because uh, the tickets cost a grand total of $10 or $20. Uh, we just do that to keep out the knuckleheads uh, so that we can have legit conversations between founders and help everybody get up to the next level. And I'd love to see you there. The URL is on the screen. It's mastermindsworkshops.com, mastermindsworkshops.com. At least right now, the next one is the 11th, which I think is next Thursday night. And we'd be happy to see you there if you'd like to join us. Um, we also have, uh, if you like uh, the way I'm talking, if this is helpful to you, there's over 100 episodes of the Scott Fox um, podcast posted on your favorite podcast service. So if you go check out iTunes or elsewhere, please leave a review. Um, plenty of uh, me talking about this kind of thing, if that's helpful to you. My YouTube channel has uh, another couple hundred uh, clips about different aspects of startup life, and you're welcome to drown yourself in that stuff as well, if you'd like. Uh, but most importantly, if you would like to work together personally, the Startup Founders Forum, I'm there every day uh, helping out our members. So, um, 
Oh, I was going to give you a code for the workshop. So if you would like to join us for the next Startup Accelerator workshop, you can use a code, SAVE BIG, all caps, SAVE BIG, and we'll give you half off if you want to join us. So half off $10, <laughs> half off $20. Um, this is a community service, really. Like I said, the, the ticket fee is just a gating factor. So make sure that everybody's there for the right reasons, and we hope to help you next time. Last, I want to thank our sponsor. Oh, wait, we don't have any sponsors yet. So if you're listening and you'd like to help sponsor this, it does take some money and time to keep this going. My assistants and staff uh, get the word out and help you help help me help you. I'd be appreciative of your support. And last, please review, share, like, comment, um, and uh, a review on any and all platforms. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. So that's what I got for you today. I'm Scott Fox from Mastermind, the Startup Council Service. Um, that's uh, hopefully helpful to you and your startup dreams. Let's get together and uh, help make the world a better place. Entrepreneurs are the ones to do it. Uh, thank you for joining me today. And uh, we'll be back again on the first Tuesday of next month. And uh, like I said, please go share, like, comment, review, <laughs> and all that stuff. Thanks for being here. Appreciate uh, the folks who joined me on camera. And if you'd like to do that next time, please uh, do RSVP, send in a form, and we'll talk to you too. Thanks for your time. I appreciate you being here. Bye-bye.